You're listening to Passing Notes, an official podcast of Danville Public Schools. Each week, we hope that Passing Notes will serve as important information you can use or pass on as you, our parents, continue the important work of supporting your children in becoming college or career ready. We selected our very first topic because of the number of calls we've received from parents, grandparents, and community members about a side of our students they have seen since the onset of COVID-19. In March 2020, our lives changed in so many ways because of lockdowns and quarantines necessary to keep us all safe. While physical safety is always important, we may not have given enough attention to the mental safety of our children. So we thought that it might be a good idea to start our series by addressing some of the challenges COVID has presented to us outside of physical safety. Here is your host, Dr. Angela Harrison, Superintendent of Danville Public Schools. So today we have Lori Eanes Brooks. Lori, how are you and, and, and uh, you doing well today? I am doing great to be here. Lori, we are so excited about having you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Lori Eanes Brooks. I am a member of the Board of Directors for the Virginia State Chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I'm the Public Policy Committee Chair and I'm also a trainer of Safe Talk, and most of the trainings and programming that we have available through AFSP. And Lori, we're so glad that you agreed to, to talk to us today and share information, important information, with our parents and our community at large. Our topic today is sadness, depression in youth. And when is sad too sad? And I'm so excited to have you as an expert here um, to share information and and give some some points and pointers to our parents and our community. Let's dive right into our discussion. And my first um, question for you and and topic to consider is, you know, what are some misconceptions uh, about teen and and youth depression? Well, um, teens are difficult due to the fact that they can they can pretty much exhibit the entire spectrum of all emotions all reactions and because they're learning they're learning how to process information they're learning how to react to um, the world so teens can be a little hard to diagnose or, or figure out what exactly is um, something that needs a great deal of attention or something that just needs a little bit of attention. Does that mean that sometimes we think that we're, we're having mood swings or something or is that yeah. that the spectrum? Yeah. Okay. Young people and, and I would strongly suggest that everyone take the mental health first aid. Uh, DPCS offers it free and we have mental health first aid for adults and mental health first aid for for teens and that doesn't mean the training is for teens the training is definite is just spotlighting teens and part of the issue is it's the duration it comes from knowing your teens knowing the people around you um, and and how long have they been exhibiting this side because generally speaking they don't stay they everyone has bad days everyone goes through issues everyone's stressed out during exams times Um, there there are several um, times that we can pretty much expect our teens to be stressed out overly 
sad, etc. So it's it's how long that lasts. Let me ask you this, and in, in, in relative to taking the training and becoming more aware, do you find that there's stigma, there's some sort of social stigma out there relative to depression and talking about um, these types of things with parents or, or educators or community members? Well, actually, it depends. Um, I am 51, and when I was at GW, we did not discuss mental health. Didn't happen. Um, because it was the time, and, and it's generational, and sometimes it's cultural. But I really feel that our high schoolers and uh, college students are tuning in to how they're feeling inside their brain. And so I feel like they are going to help us remove the stigma. They're going to help us move past, oh, we don't talk about that, and, and move past the concept that depression is a moral failing. Um, they accept it, and, and they will talk about it. We just have to be listening. So, so what are some things we should look for? What are some signs of, of when sadness is more than just sadness? Well, they will say it. Um, and, and, and I have done many trainings with many teens. And uh, when I say that people actually say, um, I, I, I may kill myself um, or it's not worth living. Um, and I say are you serious? Is this something that um, you really mean? And they'll say, no, it's just a figure of speech. Now, and uh, so sometimes they're gauging. Sometimes they're testing the waters to see how you're going to react, whether you're going to be receptive to the next sentence that they say, or and sometimes they truly are just being what they consider emo. So um, I tell them, I take those phrases and those comments very seriously. So I would appreciate it if they find another way of expressing how they're feeling, if that's not truly how they're feeling. Now, if anyone uh, threatens suicide, then, then we know there are some immediate actions we should take. And, mm -hmm. and can you talk right. a little bit about what those should, should be? They, they, and it varies. Um, again, it, it, it comes with knowing your teens. This is one reason why um, my goal in the world is to empower our general community to look around at the kids, people in their circles and be able to see a sign because we really want to take our specialty teens to the professional and say, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And, and that's, that's important, but they're not always available. They're not at the dinner table. They're not there on a Saturday afternoon when you have a team um, in your kitchen exhibiting signs that are concerning you. So it comes with education. And it comes with that education empowers the community at large to reach out instead of stepping back because historically people are afraid they're going to say or do the wrong thing. So my goal, AFSP's goal, is to empower the general community to know the next step, to have that conversation and then know who to call if there needs to be further follow-up. And we certainly will share more information about contacting the appropriate uh, um, support and getting more information 
about how to address teen suicide and, and when sad is too sad. And I know that we as educators, you know, we like to say as elementary children, they have such a wonderful uh, personality. They, they're just so joyful and they have this, this I like you and, and I like myself um, attitude. And we talk about our middle schoolers. Um, I like you, but I'm not so sure about I like myself oftentimes. And parents begin to see these changes in their children. And of course, when mm-hmm. we get to high school, the teenagers love themselves, but sometimes they're not so, so, so keen on, on the adults around them trying to give them advice. Um, since COVID-19 uh, came about March 20, uh, 2020, changed uh, all of our lives in in some regard around COVID-19. We had uh, more up close uh, view of our children, spent more time in the home because of quarantining and and all of the lockdowns and those kinds of things. So we've heard from many of our parents that COVID-19 and social distancing has led to more depression and sadness. Have you found that or are we just more willing to talk about it? No, it is, it is a thing. It is real, and it is affecting our teens. Our teens are social. We, and people in general, are social. Um, the masks are another, um, they, they don't have the facial cues. So, um, you know, our children are living in a text vocabulary world, and that has gotten even more because they're texting each other, um, they're not seeing the actual facial expressions that go with the conversation. Um, so also with the mask, they're not seeing the, the facial expressions. That's a very important social cue for us, for people in general, to know how that comment was meant. So they, they are isolated. They need other teens. They need their support system. So it has been a thing, and, and, it, and, and it continues so, to, to be a thing. So this is very real. This is not something that uh, we are assuming is, is, is a problem. It's very real. And we know that our physical health is so important. We, we want to protect our children from COVID. We want to protect our adults. And that was one of the reasons we in the Danville Public Schools feel that face-to-face instruction and when parents do support face-to-face instruction was so important right. to get our children back into those social settings The question I have is what kinds of things can parents do to support students? Because we know we might be into this um, masking and and protecting ourselves for uh, a little while longer. What can we do? What kinds of activities have have you seen work with children to enhance and increase social interaction without uh, compromising safety? Yes, um, it's very important for them to understand that we're in new territory ourselves. We're doing the best we can to, like you said, keep them safe. Um, and, and we're seeing that um, some things are working better than others. Isolation is not necessarily good. Some teens thrive on it and some, most teens do not. So be honest with our kids. We need to let them know we're just doing the best we can. The reason we're doing this is to keep you safe medically. Um, and here are some things we can do. You know, they can Zoom with one another without a mask. And so the actual interactions other than texting and messaging, um, any kind of interaction they can have based on their ability to be out in public, 
as we've seen, some people are more susceptible to COVID. Some people are, you know, in a better position if they do get COVID. So there are levels of the ability to go out in public. But a good a good um, replacement is the actual face-to-face chatting. You know, take that picture off, look people in the eye, and have a conversation if that's all that you can do. Laura, that is excellent, excellent advice uh, for Thanksgiving. My family, uh, we're all over uh, Atlanta, Colorado, different places, Florida, and we were able to have a, a family uh, uh, Zoom, and that was mm-hmm. just so uh, wonderful. And once a week, I've, I've started FaceTiming. You know, I've had FaceTime forever. I think most yeah. of us, us have FaceTime on our phones, and, um, and, and that has been such, uh, made such a difference, uh, being able to FaceTime and see those, um, those smiles. And so yes. uh, it sounds like parents uh, don't get too uptight about your, your children being on Zoom and FaceTiming yeah. uh, and eating a little bit more of that data up. It sounds like it might help our children uh, recover to some degree. And, and so specifically, what should parents look for? We, we've talked uh, a little bit about, you know, when it's sad, too sad, uh, mood swings, uh, uh, those types of things. But, but give us two or three things parents should look for when they, when they uh, should be really concerned and start to seek uh, out help and support. Well, um, and this goes with that answer, but I want to backtrack a little bit. We need to be um, observing and monitoring our children with video video chats because um, they are still children and and they need guidance as to what is appropriate and what is not appropriate to do on those video chats. Absolutely. But um, the duration, knowing your child, knowing the children in your circle, because, you know, we have other people's children in our circle a lot. So how well we know them um and sometimes it's easier for someone who doesn't actually live with the child to see a change so that's what we want to do in this look how long has this change stayed you know because like i said earlier they can go through the entire spectrum of emotions in an hour because they're still feeling their way to grown-upness so um the duration and and speaking about it say you know i have noticed that your you've your outlook on life has changed um do you want to talk about that and in our tone and uh the way we approach it is going to be whether or not we get any real information so we need to make sure it's non-judgmental um and that we accept whatever they're feeling thinking because they will talk to us if they feel comfortable and un- not judged. And you know, for parents, uh, we want to fix everything. We want to yes. fix it and move on. So this takes time. Uh, this is not something right. we can we can just, just, just do quickly. So mm-hmm. is there anything that families can do to, to help other families? Uh, we're, we're, the title of our, our podcast is Passing Notes. Uh, if you see something as, a, as an outsider, as you, you mentioned, spending time with other families, how do we approach that with other families? We notice that a child in our care is, is sad, more than sad, and we want to approach the parent and have that discussion because we know some parents just 
uh, have a hard time talking about depression and mental illness. What what are some what's some advice you could give community members or people who are in the presence of other children? Routines. To remind each other to be accepting and to validate their feelings. As adults, we are so quick to say, "You have how can you be stressed out? You don't have bills to pay, et cetera, et cetera. But we have to remember that a big test, a big social event, going to college, a big change, that is the biggest thing that has occurred to them up to this point in their lives. So looking back at um, at the age of 40, 50, I'd saying you have nothing to be stressed about. How can you be stressed? Is a very hard thing to, to say to a child. So we have to remember that we were that age once and it was stressful. We tend to forget that. So we need to validate their feelings even if at our age and experience level, it is not that big of a deal to us at our age and experience level. We have to remember this is the biggest deal to them at this time. Laura, up, to, up to this point in their life. Laura, you are so, so right. Accept the way they're feeling and validate, yes, that sounds like a very stressful thing to go through. Can you tell me more? You know, just get that conversation going and keep it going. Laura, you're so right. Oftentimes we, we look at our children and <clears throat> the, the the lives they live and we often think, well, you certainly don't have the problems I had as an as a child and you you're not going through all of the stress that I went through as a child but what we're not realizing is this is their world and they um they certainly can't identify with with what we and have that conversation going on let's not shut down the conversation uh with our children uh, about these topics um by being negative and reflecting negatively we, we have right. to find a way to talk and speak with our children. And so really, when I, I tell you, you've shared so much good information, but three points that, that we want uh, parents and community members to remember is to, to know your child or know the children in your care, be able to start a conversation by just, uh, just simply asking the children or teenagers and young ones to tell me more, and let's not be judgmental and try to compare uh, how they feel uh, to, to the way we felt as, as youth. And uh, know that COVID-19 and the so social distancing has had a real impact on everyone, on, on everyone. The, yes. the Zooms, the, the, um, the, the face masking is very real for physical safety, but we must learn to live our lives uh, a little differently at this time uh, and, and work around that. So you share some, some great uh, information with us uh, during this time together. What's the one thing that you uh, would want everyone listening uh, today to remember? Um, to be accepting of one another. My stress is not your stress. And so one person's stress doesn't outweigh someone else's. We all feel things differently, and we need to be accepting of that. We don't need to dismiss one person's feelings because you feel like that's not really something to be concerned about for you. So we need to be more accepting and understanding of one another. 
And and in closing, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your the location of, of your organization, the uh, address, and how one would uh, actually go through getting support through your agency? Well, AFSP is a research agency, so we do the the Danville South Central Out of the Darkness work to raise funds to pay for that. What we do is we have um, supports for people who have lost someone to suicide. We've identified uh, the highest risk groups. We have trainings that we bring into the schools, which is called More Than Sad. We're everywhere giving trainings that are evidence-based based on the latest research. So anyone in crisis needs to call the lifeline. 1-800-273-8255 and you will talk to a person or they can text and this may this works really good for teens I have been a uh, counselor on the crisis text line and that is 741-741 you just text help home anything and um, they will come back with a person I had a lot of people who would text in and say, is this a real person or a robot? And they would generally want me to answer something or misspell a word to prove that I was the real person. Uh, so I found that um, interesting. But we have both of those avenues, and teens really love the texting because they are more comfortable sharing their feelings, and they have more privacy because they're not saying anything out loud. Uh, they're texting it so other people around them cannot hear them. And Lori, I'm going to ask you to give us those numbers one more time in case our listeners missed it, uh, the call-in number and the texting number, just one more time. The lifeline is 1-800-273-8255, and that's one where you have an actual verbal conversation. Some people can prefer that. Or they can text the crisis text line, and that is 741741. So I want to thank you, Lori Eanes Brooks, uh, for this conversation, this opportunity to share information with our parents and our community at large and and really uh, provide some insight uh, into our youth and teens. Uh, You have been a a wonderful guest, and we look forward to working with you here in the school system as we continue to address the needs of our children and best prepare them to be college and career ready and live productive Mm -hmm. lives beyond the high school experience. Thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the first podcast. You've been listening to Passing Notes, a Danville Public Schools podcast. We hope that this discussion has been informative and helpful in learning more about the mental health of our children, how to talk about it, and when to reach out when you think your loved ones might be more than just sad. To contact the AFSP Lifeline, either call 1-800-273-8255 or text 741-741. Thanks for tuning in, and we encourage you to take your notes and pass them on. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next time, we'll see you in the halls.